Well, so I, we've come up with uh, some, you know, marketing and commercial ideas on this show from time to time because the NFL season provides plenty of opportunities. I think we found another one this past week, although it's, you know, happened over the course of the past several years. But Microsoft Surface, they really need to just absolutely go after the look how durable our Microsoft nope. Surfaces are because, my goodness, they have withstood Tom Brady's wrath, Aaron Rodgers' wrath, plenty of other quarterbacks tossing that bad boy right into the ground over the years. And, uh, you know, they hang tough. They're still there to show you the uh, all 22 of what you missed. You either got to get Chevy to say Microsoft tablets like a rock or you get Ford to be like Microsoft built tablets Ford built tough. Ford tough. I yeah. mean, either one works. I think, uh, I think that, uh, I, what I love so much about that is just like, it feels is like Tom Brady just needs football now because he needs to be able to like get to a place where he can yell and it'd be okay. Cause I'm sure he's not yelling at his wife because his wife is yeah. obviously they're, they're having some, uh, you know, going through the, the grinds of a marriage. And, uh, I, you get that sense that he can't, you know, he's maybe got some frustration built up. And so he just gets to the football field and screams at all his teammates and they can't do anything about it because he's the goat. And then he just takes tablets and he whips them around. And it's like, I feel like Tom, you know, hangs up the phone with Giselle and starts doing the same thing at home. And you're just seeing a little bit of this get leaking onto the field. Just a tidbit, just a tidbit, but Hey, bucks are two and oh man. After everything, the bucks have been through this weird start to the year. A lot of craziness or a lot of different team. The Bucks 2-0 sitting pretty, pretty right now. It's very interesting. That's for sure. Uh, I wonder if, you know, he, he's obviously a very, very rich man. He could probably afford a uh, a surface guy, just a dude yeah. to go fetch the uh, surfaces at his home when he oh. throws them around. You know, hey, I threw one out the uh, second story today. Can you go fetch that in the backyard? It's over by the third pool on the left. Yeah. That type of deal. You know, I, I'm Tom sure that that he's got that in the world. He's wealthy enough to destroy any sort of expensive piece of technology he wants to. <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's sure. got to be freeing. Yeah. That's a freeing feeling. Well, you That's know, they've got those feeling. places you can pay and go destroy cars and stuff. Tom Brady yeah. doesn't have to worry about that. He just can do that in his own driveway. And it's all no, good. It Buy just, another one tomorrow. Tom Brady's favorite day of the year is when they announce the new iPhone coming out because he'll just take his and chuck it as hard as it can yeah. against a brick wall and be like, give me the new one now. I'm like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And don't He's let Goodell have to get that phone. The perfect test subject right there for the durability yeah. of all electronics, Mr. Tom Brady there. But it was, uh, it was a wild week two of the NFL season. Crazy. It's been a very interesting start to the year, obviously. Like, you know, week one, we had a couple, you know, weird things happen, but nothing like super shocking. This week yeah. was a little bit, uh, you know, more off the beaten path, if you will, on uh, some really interesting outcomes. Uh, so, yes, here we are in the football lounge with Mark and Dan. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, where you been? We've missed you, but uh, we are on YouTube. We're on anywhere you listen to a podcast, so check us out all season long. What we're going to do until we maybe get about to uh, the final four or five weeks, um, we're going to go over every game of the week. And, uh, you know, once it gets to the final month, we're going to zero in on the matchups that matter and uh, the playoff picture as that starts to, uh, you know, pull together. You're going to have your Super Bowl playing. Uh, certainly way yeah. too early for that, but we've got that coming up later on this season. 
And uh, so, yeah, uh, be sure to check us out and uh, we'll give you kind of the lowdown, the recap of all the games uh, outside of the Monday night football game, of course, in which we are recording this on a Monday after all of the Thursday night and Sunday games. So let's dive in, Mark. We've got the Thursday game. Yeah. Chargers Chiefs, which was, you know, the Ribgate, uh, you know, premier game. Absolutely. Uh, that we've been looking forward to to start the season. Obviously, a premier matchup between AFC West rivals and two of what many consider Super Bowl contenders. Justin Herbert taking on Patrick Mahomes. And uh, it wasn't as high scoring of a fair. You know, I was thinking maybe going into this, we'd get the Chiefs Rams from three years ago. Yeah, where Jared Goff sweet. and Mahomes put up uh, 50 burgers each. But, uh, you know, Chiefs edged the Chargers here by a field goal in a 27-24 battle. But it was engaging nonetheless. Obviously, we saw a ton of fight from Justin Herbert late in this one. Found out that he got some uh, fractured ribs, which is obviously not going to be an issue that goes away anytime soon. He's going to be dealing with that all year long. But he fought through it, threw a dime late in the fourth quarter as the Chargers kind of fight back in this one. But it's the Chiefs that come out on top. Uh, it's you know hard to look back at games that were uh, four days ago now in the rearview mirror after all the craziness of yesterday, Mark. But uh, as you look back on that game, what kind of stood out to you? Uh, any takeaways from this uh, matchup? Well, you know, Justin Herbert, he's definitely got that ability to wow you. And I, I think what, what scares me about Herbert, obviously the injury is is concerning. I think he'll be able to you know, hopefully uh, they got new doctors in to administer rib shots. And so he's good. Uh, Cause as we just saw Tara Taylor officially now suing the, the yeah, charge doctor, right? <laughs> uh, their history is uh, not great, but I will say, I, I, we do need to start. Be, I, I don't know if we need to start being critical yet, but we do need to be aware that Justin Herbert isn't perfect. And Justin Herbert, I thought for points of this game outplayed, Mahomes, I think there was points this game where the Chargers outplayed the Chiefs for long stretches. But I think that Justin Herbert has got to start. Someone's got to get in his ear and be like, dude, not every ball has to be a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. I mean, he does that maybe better than anyone in the league right now when he just wants to put it on an absolute rope that is the most accurate fastball in the league. But there are times when I just think he misses throws and, he, and, and without the touch. And with the broken ribs, I don't know if that's going to get worse or better. I also think that defensively, this Chargers team is just too good to have some of the lapses they make. But I also think part of it is the coaching staff puts the Chargers defense in some weird positions. They're This defense is good enough to sometimes not have to take the risk that they take. Does that make sense? Yep, it feels yep. like this Chargers defense is just good enough to let them play man on man. One of the few defenses that can do that. And then for the Chiefs, I do think also this was the first moment of the season where you thought, oh, they're missing a little bit of that big play dynamic that's like explosive big plays. We saw it in Miami, which we'll talk about uh coming on up. I think we know who we're talking about. Uh, but overall, again, it just felt like there's an organization that's a little bit more buttoned up, even though the other organization might be more talented. And like it always seems to happen in the NFL, the more buttoned up organization seems to be able to handle the adversity when it comes for their team. And in in division, in these rivalries where it's loud, it's crazy. Like we saw Sunday night, 
uh, which we'll talk about later in Arrowhead uh, on a Thursday night football. The Chiefs, when you play the Chiefs in Arrowhead, it doesn't matter if you're more talented. Sometimes you just have to be more buttoned up, and the Chargers are rarely more buttoned up. Yeah, that I mean, that is a problem for sure. And they come in spurts a little bit too much. Like you'd like to see a little bit more consistency. I think what I have seen from the Chiefs so far this year is a little bit more uh, consistency drive to drive. Whereas before we would get the big, you know, one play, two play drives. And then maybe they'd stall a little bit, but it was okay because the offense could, you know, yeah. knock you out with one punch at any given time. We've seen them, you know, sustain and stack scoring drives together and they've been a little bit more balanced i think i'm not going to say that losing tyreek hill made this team better i mean losing a great no. all pro doesn't make you a better team but what it does do is probably force them to maybe lean into the run game a little more and they've been pretty effective they came out in this chargers game the whole first quarter they were like trying to pound the rock and they took a lot of time off the clock and maybe prevented the chargers from getting in more of an offensive rhythm early on because they were able to kind of sustain drive. Now the uh, chiefs weren't able to score in the first quarter, which was a problem. They, get, they didn't get a touchdown until midway through the second, but they were able to take a lot of time off the clock yeah. and show that they could sustain drives. I think that's going to be a formula that works for uh, Patrick Mahomes and company moving forward. As long as Edwards Alaire can be the guy that they hoped he was uh, when they drafted. Him. It's, so that's it's funny you say that because in a lot of ways, it's a great, it's a, it's maybe a change of philosophy for the chiefs. It's for the better. You know, a lot of times people say, Hey, the best way to stop Aaron Rodgers is, you know, like the bears, you got to just sustain drives. You got to keep him off the field yeah. for the chiefs. Their weakness is their defense. It's not a, it's not an elite elite defense, especially going up against all the weapons like of a Chargers offense. Sometimes maybe the best thing for your defense is to keep them off the field, those long sustained drives. Something that the Chiefs offensive philosophy may be a little more suited this year to help out their defense in the sense that, hey, our defense can make plays, but we got to keep them off the field as much as possible. Let's keep our offense on the field, longer sustained drives, control the clock, and that'll play in our defense's hand where it's like, hey, we could pin our ears back a little bit and not have to worry about stopping long sustained drives because they're not a defense that's built for that. No, they're definitely not. And, uh, you know, if the back's against the wall, they can still, you know, put together a short, uh, yeah. quick scoring drive. So I think they, you know, with that capability, I think that's a good formula going forward. Uh, Chargers are going to be perfectly fine. Uh, I think even with the injury, Justin Herbert's good enough to overcome yeah. a lot of that. But, you know, the rushing side of things for him, is probably going to be tampered down, even though it really has been already to start. This Especially year, so. because the AFC already through two weeks, AFC West doesn't look like the juggernaut we thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, and the there, Raiders there have fell been apart. a lot of, you know, tight, tough yeah. contests for all of them early on. The yeah. schedules are brutal. Um, so maybe that'll kind of thin out a little bit as we go on. But I mean, but being the schedules one don't and get one, a whole lot easier for these guys. Yeah. Being one and one in charge land right now, no need to panic. Yeah, they're perfectly fine. Uh, the Jets at the Browns. Wow. Uh, let's go to the Sunday action. What a crazy game. All right, so the Browns go up by two scores late in the fourth quarter. Now there's been some controversy over whether, you know, Kevin Stavansky should have told Nick Chubb, hey, kneel down at the one-yard line instead of going in to get that score. But look, they were up two possessions at that point. You trust your team to be able to, uh, you know, uh, stave off a Joe Flacco-led Jets team. But nonetheless, New York comes back. 
and scores twice late in this game, and they're able to pull up a one-point victory on the road against the Browns. Browns now finding themselves one and one and giving the New York Jets their first win of the season. A crazy game and really a wild finish to this one as, uh, let's see, a 66-yard touchdown pass from Joe Flacco to Corey Davis and then a 15-yard touchdown to the rookie Garrett Wilson, his third touchdown of the game, and or second touchdown of the game, I should say. And uh, that provides the game-winning score there for the Jets in the final minute of the game. Wild, wild finish in this one. It is, to me, it, this is the first game we're going to start of of a couple games where it's like there is absolutely no excuses. Chubb scores that touchdown. The game should be, it shouldn't matter. The whole like, oh, well, we wanted him to actually stop, waste more time. No, that's ridiculous. That is such a bad excuse. You yeah. are up two scores with a minute in what 15 something like that left i mean it is absolutely pathetic of a brown supposed to help them carry this team while they don't have their star quarterback uh, inexcusable performance defensively one of many inexcusable defensive performances in week two um i i think there's nothing else to say kudos to the jets for not giving up Robert Sala had a bad press conference this week, a week ago. Where he's like, oh, we're, we're taking receipts. That's stupid hmm. coach speak. I think that was really embarrassing by him. I, I thought it was really, really a bad uh, day at the mic. But you know what? For, for the Jets to show some sort of spine to stay in this game and to not give up and take advantage of it, absolutely pathetic performance by the Browns defensively in the last minute of that game. Uh, but they're not the only ones that were pathetic in the last uh, last uh, couple possessions defensively in week two. No, that's very true. And it was a game the Browns really needed to win. Yeah. You got to take the ones that uh, you're supposed to win without Deshaun. Got to get these ones. You as a Browns fan circled the Jets as a win, and you lost it, and it was a pathetic defensive performance in the final uh, two minutes of the game. We'll go to another uh, fairly pathetic defensive performance, but before that, I'm curious your thoughts on Brownie the Elf. Uh, you know what? I uh, I think the Browns need to do as much as they can to distract us from their uh, fact that they have yeah. fans setting up really grotesque things in the tailgate. That was ridiculous. And they have uh, and they've made just horror horrible decisions as an organization. Um, so. I think this is just the first of many watch out for other things to go on through the year over the next couple of weeks that the Browns are going to try to do. Wouldn't shock me if the Browns try to do some sort of big Jersey retirement or something else this year where they're trying to get good pub, things like that, because they need it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not letting uh, I'm it distract board. me. That's my thoughts on it. I'm not letting yeah. it distract. Me. I, I just thought it was weird. I I've always thought they should just embrace the bulldog. I don't understand why they won't. They still use it. The dog pound. Call it the dog pound. They bring out the bulldog. Just have a bulldog on the field. And that's your mascot. Like it's very yeah. simple. The commanders go on the road. The Detroit lions will not Pathetic. go away. And they looked like studs in this game. Detroit with a 36, 27 win. It was way more of a blowout than that score indicates. Detroit dominated this game. They were up, what was it, 27 to nothing at, at one point? Uh, yeah. it, it was just a, an absolute uh, dominating performance all around by the Lions. And that's why I say terrible defensive performance. Washington, who's really been able to lean on their defensive line over the past few years, they Detroit ran all over them in this yeah. game. And for them to go up 22 to nothing going into the half, 
just inexcusable by Washington in this one. And really, I mean, you can't let the offense off the hook either. They did not play well. They didn't get their playmakers, uh, you know, off and running early on. But yeah, huge gutty performance by Detroit. This is the type of stuff that gives you, if you're a Lions fan, it's so, it's got to feel so good because you can tell they're, they've built, they started building a culture last year. The culture has continued over. And at home, your favorites for the first time in like two years, and you come out and you just shit rock a, a commander's team that looked so underprepared, so uninspired. And I love Ron Rivera, 85 Bear, Bear for Life, great defensive coordinator for the Bears in 06, get him the Super Bowl. But it, it looks like th- that team is just, I mean, it was so uninspiring. That's the type of loss where it's like, if I'm a commander's fan, I'm like, who cares that now it, like now it's like that is such a like I want to rebuild new coach new like that was such an uninspiring loss pathetic defensive performance you have a defensive coach um Wentz does what he does he puts up uh big pa- plays and big numbers in garbage time Goff was great for the in this game and if you're Jared Goff you're doing exactly what you need to do to try to hold on to that starting job for another year. I mean, Jared Goff, his job right now is to try to get the Lions to not draft a quarterback. And that was the type of performance, the type of win where you're like, all right, FNA. If he, if they're doing it in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, why can't we do it in Detroit with Jared Goff? Roll him out. He's not expensive. He's way less expensive as far as in the long term uh, than, than a lot of these other guys. And so um, I don't know. I think it was a, it's such a great win. I wanted to bring this up. This was what I mentioned to you before we started recording. This is what I love about the Detroit Lions. And it and it feels authentic. It does not feel fake to me at all. After the game, the coaches get to send players to the podium, right? Dan Campbell sent reserve offensive lineman Dan Skipper to the podium before any other player after their win. Why? It was his first NFL start after being in the league for six years, being cut multiple times, practice squad guy, finally makes his first NFL start six at guard. Teams. He played really well. Uh, there's a video going around viral of him uh, in the morning, uh, uh, you know, in the game, uh, in the locker room after the win. And shout out to Skipper. Shout out to Dan Campbell for doing that. That's the type of stuff in a city like Detroit, in a team with a team like Detroit, that if you can create an ethos and a passion, hey, you know what? They may never win a Super Bowl in Detroit. But if you uh, – I I can be a fan of that team if I'm a Detroit uh, person and, and a, you know, and a fan of the Lions. I can love to death a team like that that rallies around their coach, rallies around players, rallies around storylines, and only wins seven, eight, nine games a year. Like that is – that's way better fandom than the highs and the lows and the craziness and the chaos – and like we just said, look at what Washington's dealing with right now. It's 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 you know all up in the air, and there's no, nothing inspiring about that loss. There's a lot to be inspired about about that win. You were favorites at home. You took care of business, and you kicked in the teeth of a team that many thought, oh, they're just as good, if not better, than you. And and uh, love it, love it for the Lions. They are a prime example of how a head coach can create a culture and how important culture is to um, a rebuild particularly, but just any team in general. I mean, if you think about it, 
what difference have we seen with Detroit? We've talked about it. We've seen the fight in this team over the last two years that we didn't yep. see before. It was almost instantaneous. You knew it. They run the ball well. They know what they're doing. They have an identity. It's very clear that Detroit has confidence when they're rolling out. Swift the field. is a star, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's great. He's fantastic. What We're not – I don't know what we've seen from the Jets, for instance, to like in terms of like a cultural shift. I'm not seeing that yet. Um, I'm really not seeing it despite, you know, how great Herbert is. I haven't seen like a cultural shift uh, with the Chargers, Brandon Staley. I can see the impact Dan Campbell has had on Detroit in just these past few years. I think that's important. And it's a pretty clear indicator of where this team's headed, uh, just given how buttoned up they are in yeah. so many phases of the game. It's, it's very impressive so far. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, to some of the other matchups in this one, we got the uh, Steelers at home in their home opener at Acrisure Stadium, first game at Acrisure, against the New England Patriots. A total dud, a boring game. If you weren't a Steelers or Patriots fan, uh, this was probably a, a rough watch for you overall. I mean, it was, even if you are a fan of those teams. But Patriots edged them 17-14, just really no offense uh, in this game at all from either team. And, uh, you know, the Patriots, uh, the difference maker ends up being a dropped interception late in the fourth quarter by the yep. Steelers, uh, which moments later turned into a muff punt by the Steelers. And then a Patriots uh, score that uh, pretty much put it out of touch at that point. At least it felt that way. So that's where they stand right now. The Steelers offense just looks like kind of what we expected out of Mitch Trubisky and company He's going to not go through the progressions in a timely manner, have bad mechanics at times, uh, flash the athleticism, flash the, you know, willingness to, uh, to try and make a big play. Uh, but altogether inconsistency uh, really coming home to roost there for Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, the Patriots, you know, they, they didn't look very good either is really, no. they were going to be good in the trenches defensively and they're going to try to run the football well. And they were able to do that late in the game, but not really an identity for either of these teams right now. Uh, one big throw by Mac Jones when they needed it for that touchdown pass. Uh, and that was, that was good to see if you're a Pats fan, like, Hey, the talent I feel like is still there for Mac. I just don't think he's being coached and game planned well right now. I think that's the issue. Like we've said about the beginning of the year, these teams are so similar. I mean, they want to just play defense. They want to control the clock. They want to, you know, uh, let their uh, their quarterbacks try to manage the games. I thought Mitch at times it just seemed like they weren't letting him do anything to try to you know to make a play. And then when you fort when you have to then Mitch like hey now you have to make a play, that's just not his game at all. It's just not. And um, overall, I think they're both these teams are still okay though. I, I'm not. I'm not writing off either team. I, I feel like both teams are still very capable of beating good opponents, but also very capable of losing to worse opponents because they neither team feels like if they need to get two touchdowns in the last three minutes to win a game, they could do it. Like, neither. Right. And, like, I just saw the Jets do it. So, I, <laughs> I just don't. I just don't know with either team offensively right now. And and for Mitch, it's tough. I mean, that offensive line is shaky, and the and the Steelers know their best chance to win games right now is to lean on their defense and not turn the ball over. So it's really hard to to game plan for that when you have a quarterback who he what he does best is move the pocket, improvise, 
use my athleticism. That's all the stuff that can lead to turnovers. And that's not what Mike Tomlin wants at all right now. And for the Patriots, it seems like their biggest problem is they actually do have some playmakers on offense, but they just have zero scheming ability right now. It feels like to scheme guys into, into open plays. Cause Mac Jones is not the type of guy, even though he's physically built for sit in the pocket, drop back and pick you apart. It doesn't seem like they have the offensive playbook to do that right now. So it's a weird spot for both teams. I don't want to overreact or panic. I do think both teams are still on pace for what I predicted. Steelers in the playoff hunt. Patriots, when the meat of their schedule comes around, they won't be able to score enough points to keep up with people. Yeah, offensive woes continue for both of these teams. And, uh, you know, they're both relatively young offenses, Pittsburgh particularly. So, you know, maybe in time – Things will get better. It appears that it can't really get much worse, but only two touchdowns this entire season so far for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, not where you expected this to be, especially with the weapons that they have for sure. But if you yeah. told me they'd be one and one to start the year, that is what I would have predicted, just not in the order that it, it panned out. Exactly uh, the Buccaneers, right. What's that? I said, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So the Buccaneers go on the road at the Saints. Uh, the Saints always giving Tom Brady fits there with his time in Tampa. And uh, this is the aforementioned Microsoft Surface game. But the Bucks defense uh, comes through in the clutch. A pick six uh, late kind of helps, uh, you know, seal things for them as they edge New Orleans by 10, 20 to 10. You know, this is um, – I. I do worry about the Saints. Uh, they didn't have Alvin Kamara for this game. Obviously, that that can be uh, an issue there. But no Chris Godwin uh, for the Bucks, and uh, they were able to somehow eke out a win against a pretty talented Saints defense overall. But I just like this Saints offense, despite the guys they have, they have the Michael Thomas, the rookie Chris Olave, Landry, Kamara. They have a lot of guys, uh, but it doesn't, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I mean, Jameis Winston threw 40 times in this game. It's a lot. And it's just, these are not the ways that they're going to win. They they score one touchdown in the fourth yeah, quarter. I, I mean, the game was 3-3, like going into yeah. the fourth. I mean, the this was game. a, yeah. this was a close game. It was a, it was a bare knuckle fight and neither team wanted to make the big mistake. I will say, I think that if you're a Bucks fan though, you got to feel great about this. Yeah. You're going to lose Evans for a game. Um, that sucks, but you also went to new Orleans. This is the game that most people circle. All right. The bucks are going to win probably 11, 12 games. So they're probably going to drop one to new Orleans in new Orleans. Like this is when they circled as like, ah, oh, probably going to be a loss as you're trying to find like four or five losses for a bucks team that you think is going to make the playoffs for them to be two and oh, having looked really bad against Dallas and having looked offensively way out of rhythm and losing Mike Evans to a, a massive fight and a shove, um, and they're 2-0, and you got to feel good about that. You, your team found yeah. ways to win, and you may argue that Jameis gave away the win, but also that's, you know, that either way. That's what you Your get, team right? ended up with the W. They found the way to win to get the pick six. So um, I I feel good if I'm, if I'm a Bucks fan after two weeks. Good in the sense that both these teams, you could be like the Bengals where – you played that poorly and they're owing two, you're two and oh. So that that has to give you some uh some encouragement because Tom Brady won't be this out of sync with his whole offense the whole season. They will yeah. get it going, even though he's missing Wednesdays. And for New Orleans, it stings because you you played what you needed to play, the way you need to play, 
to win that game. You frustrated Brady. You frustrated Evans. You kept it close, and you just could not, for the life of you, get it in the end zone and make the big play with your big play weapon. So that that hurts. And, you know, that's why I said I predicted New Orleans to miss the playoffs. I just think way too many variables for this New Orleans team all year long, and it starts with the quarterback. Yeah, we're both in agreement there. I don't think New Orleans is going to be able to get there. Uh, I And I totally agree that, look, I mean, it's the old adage. You'd rather be, you know, learning um, from your mistakes after a win than a loss. And I mean, yep. the, the Bucs are, are perfectly happy right now uh, to be 2-0 in this spot and know that their worst football is uh, hopefully behind them after these first couple of games. And, uh, you know, they're able to win by double digits as well. Meanwhile, Mike Evans, the only player that will be suspended in that scuffle uh, as Marshawn Lattimore and others are likely going to just receive a fine. This is largely because Mike Evans is a, a multiple offender yeah. uh, in this and he did the worst thing. So that's what happened. Yeah, if I he mean, he ran got, onto if, the field and shoved the guy. If he would have ran on the field and got right in Lattimore's face, they probably both would have been fined. But as soon as you, like, legitimately – like, I mean, shove someone in the ground after charging at them from being away from the viol- the, the act in itself. Yeah. You, you mean, there's no, there's no fighting that on Evans. If I were him, I'd take the suspension, move on. Don't even bother appealing it. Yeah, that's just, it's just going to happen. All right. Well, the Panthers at the Giants and uh, whew, Brian Dable's Giants are 2-0 to start 2-0, the year. And shocker. I don't care if Panthers are not like. The, the, the Giants have impressed so far. I mean, they a have. 19 to 16 gutty performance, not really looking great, but Daniel Jones gets it done in crunch time to, to be able to run the clock out with a big time third down run. And, uh, you know, he was 22 to 34, 176 in a touchdown and leads the Giants to a win. Not That's kind of going to be the formula, right? Yeah. Like for the Giants, unfortunately. It's not great. Um, but, I mean, hey, you got to say, man, Dable's 2 and 0. Oh. Like that's it's impressive. Meanwhile, the Panthers, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, this is a this is a disaster, disaster right now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say this: Dable has has got the feeling in the locker room, and you feel it, like you see all the post game stuff. The, the, like, and it's not shocking because people like Josh Allen have talked so highly about Dable. He's just kind of got that dude factor. He's a dude, and and he and he and he can relate to it. And I really think that that has done something for the Giants. It's obvious also for through two games, if you're a New York fan, that you don't want to move forward with Daniel Jones. The problem is it also seems like this team might win too many games, like right now. Like, they, yeah, they, yeah. no, they have, and they have picks. They have, you know, but you, you know, there's two prized possessions right now in college football at the quarterback position, so it looks like. And all of a sudden – Carolina's 0-2, you're 2-0, and you're both keeping an eye out for those type of prize possessions. It feels good to win. I never want to say that. You want to build your culture. Winning is important. We said it all the time with the Lions, but it's so obvious that Daniel Jones, just his life as a quarterback is not as a 17-game starter leading to the playoffs. I mean, that is painful watching him dink and dunk and dink and dunk, but they also, I think, are smartly – what Dayball is trying to do is like, hey, we need to win games, first and foremost. This culture has been bad in this locker room since that last playoff loss. So we have just got to change the tides a little bit. 
So I can understand the value in that. And if there's a guy you really want to go get, you might have to trade extra to get him because you win too much, too many games. Uh, but New York might also be the player in like, hey, we're New York. You want to be the free agent that comes help us rebuild this. Maybe they're not looking to the draft. Maybe maybe their eyes are on a on a free agent or a trade prize. Uh, their quarterback's already starting in the NFL. Who knows? But um, it feels good to see the Giants not absolutely lifeless. And for the Panthers, they are they are bailing water. Matt Rule, you should take the call from Nebraska now because you put a fork. Baker, you didn't have many. You, it's not like you had a better option of where to be. This, you know, it just hasn't looked good. It's looked disjointed. McCaffrey had a nice day, but uh, it's it's looking bleak for your Panthers. Yeah, no, I and you know it's uh it's weird to come full circle after you know pounding the table for Matt Rule to win Coach of the Year, you know, last year, yeah. and uh, and and have the team you know make the playoffs and all of that. It's just you know at this point it's uh, it's pretty clear there's no seat hotter in the league right now. Um, and this is like this is a mayday red alert. Like you guys, they have to win this week. Like you can't, you you can't get into just like a losing streak to start the year and then find yourself at zero and five and expect to keep a job. It's just, it's not going to happen. The, the bizarre thing is, it's it's I I'm still adamant that it's a good roster. They have good players on this team. They just can't put it together. I mean. And, and you even wanted to give the benefit of the doubt of Baker Mayfield with Brian, uh, Ben McAdoo, two yeah. completely new people to the system and, uh, and, and to the place. But I mean, th- that's still, you gotta, these have to translate into wins at some point. And uh, you know, they, they should, they needed to beat the giants in this one, too many points left on the table for this team. Uh, Panthers are in very big trouble. Meanwhile, uh, I agree. Like New York is, uh, is impressing so far. And that's really all you can ask from a team with a, uh, you know, a, a struggling quarterback and a brand new head coach. I think they look pretty good. The Colts, meanwhile, look awful, and that's that is kind of surprising Shocking. to I'm me. Shocked. I mean, I expected them to be pretty good and improved with Matt Ryan under center versus Philip Rivers. They have been all over the map, completely disjointed offensively. The Jaguars put up a uh, shut them out twenty four to nothing in this one. Now the Jags have had their number in recent years. So it didn't come as a total shock. What did was the zero on the scoreboard for the Colts. Jags dominated throughout this game. And Matt Ryan just seemingly completely confused. And um, now, look, they didn't have Michael Pittman. They didn't have Alec Pierce. But you have Jonathan Taylor. You got Paris Campbell. You got some other weapons. Uh, A zero against the Jaguars, uh, certainly not vaunted defense, is, you know, raising tons of concerns here. 50% completion percentage for Matt Ryan. Zero touchdowns, three picks, really rough start for Indy to uh, begin the year. 0-2 now, or 0-1-1, I should say, after a tie to the Texans in week one. It feels a lot worse than 0-1-1 in Colts land. And the only thing that's uh, a silver lining for them is is they, uh, they, they have their Titans playing the Bills tonight. So you'd hope that if you're a Colts fan, the Bills just blow them out and do embarrassing things to them in Buffalo. And then your division is what? 0-1-1, and 0-1-1, 1-1, 1-1, 0-2. I mean, that would be your your biggest silver lining. But I, I will just say defensively, I mean, I guess we should have predicted it more and shame on us. I mean, Matt Eberflus 
is now the head coach of the Bears. Their their defensive coordinator of the past four years that helped make that defense special is gone. And he took with them a lot of staff. The Bears defensive coordinator, Allen Williams, was the safeties and quarterbacks coach. And they are getting torched defensively. Uh, it, like, they just, I think it was, we put a lot of faith in Reich. We put a lot of faith in Matty Ice having a kind of resurgent year. And Chris Ballard, I think, needs to take some criticism for not maybe being more aggressive in the young quarterback market slash getting, you know, a, a legit veteran in that's not just at the end of the career guy. I mean, it's been four years since Andrew Luck retired. Like, it's been four years ago today, Andrew Luck pulled, like, this was the whole, hey, shocker, I'm retiring, I'm done, I'm out. Like, it's just been, you get a year or two, but, now it's just, I mean, it's bad. And you don't blame. Yeah, you can't have that excuse anymore, right? You don't yeah. blame Philip Rivers for just doing one year and done. Um, and and you go out and get Matt Ryan, who it, it just, he looks so old, so bad, so quick. And um, I get it. They're miss, they're missing Michael Pittman, but it, it, I think there's, it is, uh, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm pissed. I'm pissed this morning. Yeah. I'm feeling I'm feeling like my 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 head coach and my GM have just let this window just completely not even close, just like fall off the house. I mean, uh, it's bad. It's bad. You had two very winnable games to start your season in bleeping division, and you've blown it. And for the Jags, on the other hand, this feels a lot like the Lions. Like kudos to them. You look at your schedule, and if you're the J a Jags fan saying, hey, we can find a way to start one and one, you feel great about that, especially Lawrence looked really good at times in this game, didn't make the big mistakes. Offensively, it seems like they're just letting things come together. Christian Kirk, his his uh, a relationship with him took a huge step forward in week two. And on the road, in division, getting a win, love it. Like, it's got to feel great. Got to feel great. And your defense played really well. Uh, and your defense is the thing that you thought like was going to, was going to take the more time to come together. Uh, but it really did show up in, in week two. Yeah. I mean, this was Trevor Lawrence's like coming out party. I'd say in a lot of ways, 25 of 30, super efficient, uh, the, the two touchdowns, no picks, uh, and, and no sacks as well. So like, this is the type of performance we were, we're hoping to see more out of against, what maybe is, is a much worse defense, but still, I would say middle of the road, certainly not, you know, back half of the league defense, at least at this point, given the guys they have on there. So, you know, kudos, Doug Peterson and company. They, uh, it's a big win and a good springboard for them to kind of build off of Definitely. moving forward. Dolphins Ravens, probably the most, uh, you know, spectacular game of the, uh, of the Sunday slate Dolphins find themselves down three scores to the Ravens going into the fourth quarter and to a tongue of Iloa with six second half touchdown passes, six touchdown four in the second half the, or four, four in the second in the half, second. excuse me, six total uh, goes over 460 yards, just torches them late. And uh, Miami comes away with a 42 38 victory yeah. over a good Ravens defense. And despite Lamar, playing really well in this game. He had over a hundred yards rushing as well with that big touchdown run. Um, what, I mean, man, the dolphins have arrived. Mike McDaniel might be for real. And uh, 
perhaps a lot of us uh, rode off too a little bit too soon. It seems like they really are able to get a lot of these big plays that we thought maybe was going to take more time to develop. They've been airing it out. They've been going deep, and they had two really big touchdown passes to Tyreek Hill in this one from two us. Mitchell so, Trubisky threw six working. touchdown passes his first year with Matt Nagy it, in it, September. Um, it happens. I will say this. Who is that against, though? Because the, the, Ravens, the Ravens have a good defense. Yeah, it was okay, against the well, Bucs. Yeah, but right. I will just say this. I'll just say this. I think Mike McDaniels has some real potential to be a special coach. I think he does. I think, again, he kind of gets it. I think the big 300-pound guys in the locker room look at this tiny little nerdy guy, and it's like, this dude's legit. Like, I think he's got a, a, a sensibility about him, a way to lead modern, you know, NFL. Like, Mike McDaniels wouldn't have worked in 90s NFL. They would have laughed him off the field. They were like, you didn't play. I think that's different now. I think it is different. And he relates to guys with shoes, with the shades, the fashion. Uh, he speaks he their language. Miami. Yeah, he just does. And I think in this nerdy, endear endearing way. I will say this. This is an embarrassment on John Harbaugh. It is an embarrassment on that Ravens defense. The Ravens defense lost this game. They yeah. coughed it up. But the Dolphins credit to them. This is exactly why they got Tyree kill. And they thought it was worth getting Tyree kill because without Tyree kill this game, the Dolphins don't win this game. And Tua needs playmakers like Tyree kill. We see it with the Niners and Jimmy G the Jimmy, the Jimmy G Niners made the super bowl and made an NFC championship game because they took an accurate quarterback. Who's who's undersized and not very mobile but a good leader and and buys into the system. He's ever, I mean, Tua is Jimmy G right now. And he's surrounded him with a ton of talent, like a ton of legit game breaker talent. And the Dolphins said, we got to do that. Waddle and Tyree Kill may be the best one two punch in the league right now. It is crazy how much talent they, they and Gasecki is very, very talented as well. Uh, offensive line improved. So Miami Dolphins are legit. Now, are they legit as far as they're going to win in December, in January, in February? No. In my opinion, no. But September football, regular season, a bunch of playmakers, this Dolphins team can win a lot of games, and I predicted them to, to do that as well. So not shocking for the Ravens. Embarrassing, pathetic, got to be better. And uh, I think they will be. And if you're Lamar, um, you got to look around and being like, what else do you want me to do? I, I 79 yard run. I get, I put you guys up 21 points in the fourth. This is it's BS. I'd be pissed if I'm Lamar. Yeah. Three straight touchdowns to start the fourth quarter for the Miami dolphins. And then uh, cap it off with the final one to Jalen Waddle that ended up being the winner there for them in the uh, waning minute of the game. So Huge win for Miami as they are now 2-0. and Ravens are 1-1. and And I guess for good news for the Ravens, the Browns, uh, the Bengals, and the Steelers is that everyone in the division lost this past yep. week. So, uh, you know, the AFC North is 1-1 and with the Steelers somehow amazingly atop that division as we speak right now. The Rams uh, eke out a win against the Falcons. I think there's a little bit trouble brewing in paradise in, uh, in, in L.A. Honestly, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not going to say we're we're panicking uh, right now, but I'm just saying th th there should be some cause for concern. They they don't seem to be um, they're not in right. rhythm. They're, they're not. not right. 
They none of their starters played in the preseason. They added new pieces. I think we give just and 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 you know what the problem is? There's a lot of veterans on this team that were up big and they checked out. I mean, it, it's the same thing that happened to the Ravens. Their defense completely checked out, and offensively they thought, all right, let's just run the ball, a couple first downs, we'll be, we can get out of here. And it just it's not as easy. These are in the NFL. It's not that easy to win games in that way. You have got to step on the throat of your opponent, and you've got to finish. Uh, these games, the Ravens learned it the hard way. The Browns learned it the hard way and the, and the uh, credit to the Falcons. They almost did it to the Rams. They almost did it. Um, they're just not talented enough. And the, the Rams are just enough talented to hold on to that game. Um, I agree. I, it was concerning, but I do still think there it's the early it's September. This team has got a bunch of talent. They will figure it out. They've played this poorly through two games. And they're one and one with a loss to who we all think at this point in time has got to be a Super Bowl favorite in the Bills. So I don't want to panic with the Rams. For the Falcons, same thing I said last week. You got to feel good. You're like, my team is scrappy. Look at my team. It's scrappy. They're fighting. They're making games interesting. Oh, we lost. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Oh, okay, CJ Stroud, number one overall pick. You look good in Falcons in Falcons uniform. CJ Stroud to Drake London has a good ring to it. Drake yeah, London, they, they've got a, a stud rookie right there. In, in and they London. got so Eight and with, with uh, you know, with the tight end from Florida, uh, Pitts. Yeah, I mean, Kyle it, Pitts, absolutely. They got some it, mismatches. They could be feisty real quickly if they're able to figure it out with the young quarterback. Hey, Tom Brady leaving the division next year. Who knows what's going on in Carolina? This could be a, a division up for the grabs very easily. Yep. Next year for Atlanta, especially if they can get a rookie quarterback that's ready to win right away and, uh, you know, is a little bit more polished. 49ers and Seahawks, really tough one here. Uh, Trey Lance lost for the season due to a broken ankle. Uh, just, you know, brutal on a, uh, you know, on a very just uh, typical run, you know, yep. off tackle. Guy and rolled, just, his, uh, right, rolled up. Rolled up. And uh, unfortunate Jimmy G comes in, though, and, you know, the 49ers pretty much run the table, take care of business. 27 to seven victory over the Seattle. We expected the 49ers to win, uh, but it's now Jimmy's G show. And I don't know how much better, but I, I think the 49ers are maybe in a better place right now, at least in the next month. I don't know how good Trey Lance was going to get to be, yeah. but he was still going through, you know, growing pains. Jimmy G doesn't have to worry about that. The 49ers probably feel good about the position they're in right now especially with going on in the division uh you know that similar to the afc west you know maybe they're not as much of a juggernaut as we thought the 49ers can still compete in this division and uh you know they pulled out you got to win the games that you're supposed to win and they did it the football gods looked at shanahan and they looked at lynch and they said we are writing you're wrong like do you you overextended for this kid. You spent way too much on him to go get him. And so, and that's not Lance's fault. And so they're forcing him into action because we're we, that's what we say. And you have to go and you have to get game reps. And you have to get snaps. And that's all true. It's very true. And Trey Lance's ceiling is still extraordinarily high. And it sucks for Trey Lance that he's not going to get to get more reps and to see where his potential could be after a full season of playing football. But the football guys also said this team is built to win a Super Bowl now. 
And this is the quarterback that is it's built around to win them a Super Bowl now. I have never I've been I predicted, you know, the Niners to have a, a, a up and down season to miss the playoffs. And the Niners are going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I, I I'll say it now. I think the Niners, I, I don't remember a time in my life when a backup quarterback comes in and your quarterback goes down for the whole season, and I feel better about your team's chances now to make the playoffs. I, yeah, I, I don't remember. It's crazy. And for the Seahawks, this is the Seahawks that we now, all right, settle in. It's going to be a long season. Uh, you, you won your Super Bowl, and now you're you're going to be battling with Atlanta and Carolina to have Roger Goodell say, with the number one overall pick, your team selects. Yeah, yep, very true. And uh, and look, it, it's going it, to – Imagine if the, if the Cowboys had traded for Jimmy G and this I know, happened. I know, man. It's a the insurance policy is now and and what they whittled it down to. They're they they only have to pay him twelve million this year. And but and he can make an extra like five million in incentives yeah. if he if he, every game he plays twenty five percent of the snaps he gets like two hundred and fifty thousand, and every time they win the game he plays two uh, he plays fifty percent of the snap twenty five percent of the snaps, he gets an extra hundred thousand. So yeah, Jimmy yeah. G, so he's going to get nearly win, half a million dollars for every for win. every win this year. He'll get three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, not too shabby there for Jimmy G. Absolutely, it's good for the team, good for Jimmy G as well. And then he'll ride into the uh, the off season with the highest bidder ready and waiting, and he can kind of make his decision from there. So it's a it's kind of a win win situation there, especially if they go uh, into a deep playoff run or you know the Super Bowl. Uh, the Cowboys at home against the Bengals and uh, another kind of shocker expected Crazy. the Bengals maybe to come with their, you know, uh, pants on fire in this one, ready to uh, right the wrongs from last week. And Cowboys were able to get after Joe Burrow, this offensive line really like looking like it, it's going to need quite a bit of time to gel properly. Yeah, Joe Burrow was on his butt a lot for this game, a lot of this game. And, you know, Dallas kind of just rallied around Cooper Rush, and they were able to to make the necessary plays. It was kind of a dud of a second half yeah. for them. But they were able to build that early lead and just kind of sustain themselves through to a 2017 win. The Cowboys will now be one in three by the time Dak comes back, and that's okay. They got their one. Like, that's all they needed Cooper Rush to do. And it's crazy that they did it against a Bengals team that – you thought was going to come out hair on fire. The problem is this offensive line is really struggling right now. I like some of the pieces. It's just not a unit right now. And I, I saw a stack burrow has been sacked 13 times. The rest of the AFC North quarterbacks have only been sacked eight. So it is insane what he's dealing with right now. And part of it's got to be on him and Zach Taylor. Mike McCarthy might've had the hottest seat of anyone in the NFL going into week two. And he was able to somehow unplug his seat and plug in Zach Taylor's. They need to come up with a game plan immediately that helps Joe Burrow stay upright and helps this offensive line because they can't just keep rolling it out here doing the same thing. They're in they're in some real trouble. Best thing to happen for the the for the uh, Bengals is it's early and the rest of the division is not. No one is already two and zero running away with it. So they have some time. They have got to figure it out. They've got to figure it out quickly, though, because their their schedule gets tough. These were supposed to be two easy dubs for them. In my book, I had them winning 14 games. That's not happening now. Can they still win their division? Absolutely. Can they still make the playoffs as a wild card? Absolutely. Um, but 
you're zero and two. You've basically just squandered the fact that you're for uh, the the first round bye. I mean, it's it's yeah. dead. So uh, unless they unless they're they're rooting for the Titans and hopefully that the AFC West figures it out. I mean, it's still a long season in the AFC, but being zero two right now is is just killer for the Bengals. Tough situation. Uh, they do have plenty of time to turn this around. Just one game out of the division lead as we speak, just two games into the season. The Broncos at home against the Texans managed to get a touchdown uh, with Russell Wilson. This offense still seems to be figuring things out with Nathaniel Hackett, new quarterback, and Russell Wilson, and uh, you know, plenty of newness around. Um, you know, the Texans are are better than I think we we maybe think uh, that's a part of this. Yes. And, um, and, and so that's something to take into consideration. I don't think the Denver defense is nearly as good uh, without Vic Fangio. there helping kind of run the show. Um, nonetheless, like to see more out of Russell Wilson to start these first two games. I expect we'll see plenty more from him and this offense to start gelling and get more in sync, but it hasn't been pretty, but they sit one and one, they got to win. And, uh, Hopefully they can kind of build on this next week and and get some more, uh, especially in the red zone. I think Russ struggled at times. And uh, so we'll kind of look to see if they can build on this right now. But Broncos getting themselves a win, and they needed that after last week. They absolutely did because their schedule gets brutal. Very rough. They were supposed to be 2-0. When we were all circling our schedules doing this three weeks ago, they were supposed to be 2-0 to give themselves some cushion. Uh, and their cushion is now razor thin after that after that loss. But I think a lot of people are being way too SOS trouble emergency help 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 on uh, in Denver. Brand new head coach, a ton of new pieces, new quarterback. I think this thing needs a lot of time to bake. The problem yeah. is the expectations were sky high. Sky, sky high. They were mile high, you could almost say, <laughs> if I do say so myself. I see what you did there. And I do think part of this is, so I'm not I'm not ready to write off Denver. Now, I had Denver missing the playoffs, if you remember. So I have them right on track for about what's going to happen. But I don't want to panic and say Nathaniel Hack is a bum. But I will say, I do think part of this is the, the Houston is better than we thought. And yeah. a lot they of that, are. in my opinion, goes to Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith has done something that's a little Dan Campbell-esque. He gets guys to buy in. He's always been a player's coach. He wants to play a certain brand of football that is contrary to the modern NFL, and that can bite you in the ass when your modern NFL offense struggles. Because when you do these three and outs and you give it back to a team that's going to run the ball, control the clock, and dink and dunk, all of a sudden you say to yourself, why don't we have that many possessions? And wh- and why don't we have that many points? Well, you're doing quick pass, 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 three and out. The other team gets a couple first downs, kicks a field goal. You get the ball back. They play tight defense. You go three and out. They go ding, they go ding dunk, run, 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 get a touchdown. All of a sudden it's halftime. You're down 10 nothing. You're like, what the hell's going on here? So it's a, it's a, it's a, there are some people zigging while everyone is zagging. And those those people who are, you know, the Lovey Smiths and the and the Dan Campbells and playing this you know, hard-nosed defense, run the ball, older yeah, football style. They're creeping up on, on people. It can, it can, it's building a culture. I said before the season, what did I say? I said on this show, I said on my show, the most important thing for the Houston Texans to do this year is to try to build any sort of culture because they have been so rudderless the last two years 
with everything going on with Watson, um, they needed this help of reset. And uh, I think it positive vibes in Houston right now. And if you're in Denver, I wouldn't panic, but also I'm, I'm the guy who predicted you to miss the playoffs to be about 500. So I felt this way. So yeah. I, that's maybe why I'm not panicking. It is interesting when you have the fans literally shouting yeah, the I mean, play clock to yeah. you in your home stadium. Hackett, is, that is Hackett has struggled. Yeah, he certainly has. All right, the Cardinals at the Raiders, a wild game in this one as well. Very. This one goes down to the wire. The Cardinals trailing at the end of the fourth quarter. Kyler Murray, last chance, fourth and goal, ends up running about 80 yards in a 20-yard yards. Span. 82 yards uh, sideways, and it ends up getting in the end zone. They go for the two-point conversion to tie it. He uh, throws a strike in the back of the end zone, a beautiful thrown ball in a really tight window, ends up sending them to overtime. Derek Carr and company uh, you know, start to drive. Hunter Renfro gets the ball uh, stripped what by uh, Isaiah Simmons, and it's a fumble recovery touchdown for the Cardinals' walk-off win, 29-23. I want to say the Raiders blow it, blew it because they did in a lot of ways, but the Cardinals also took this game as well. Yeah. And Kyler Murray deserves a ton of credit yeah. for his ability, his leadership at the end. This is why you're in a situation where you got to pay a guy like him, right? And that's why they they did what they did. Because he is that special, and he he showed that he could put the team on his back when they needed him the most. Raiders are zero and two; they're in trouble because uh, they yeah. their their schedule is tough and their division is so tough. I do think there's positive for the Raiders, though. You you can see clearly they the bad drafts from Mayock and Gruden have just hurt this team. They just they're missing two or three top end talent pieces, one or two on offense, one or two on defense. And they just and and when you just don't have those talents, you can play a perfect game and it can slip away. And I also think there's positives to think from everyone's like, oh, where was Devontae Adams? I think it's kind of a good thing. I watched those that those drives of the Raiders early on when they took a big lead, and they did it without just force feeding Devontae Adams. That's a good right, thing yeah. for this Raiders offense. You know what I mean? On the negative end, and and for the Cardinals, I agree with you. I mean, they put themselves in a terrible spot getting down big. But Kyler Murray, I uh, deserve some credit. He is he's paid very well now, and so you're allowed to be very critical of a guy. And he showed up when his team needed the most, and he won them the game. He won them the game. He stole it away from the Raiders, uh, just like Tua and their game planning stole it away from the uh, the Ra the Ravens that pathetically gave it up, and the Browns as well. So uh, uh, kudos to them, and a big win for the Cardinals to stay alive. If they would have been zero two, I think they would have been in more trouble than the Raiders being zero two. Yeah, I still feel good about my NFC West prediction there with the Raiders, 49ers, and Rams all making the playoffs in this one. I did have the Raiders missing it uh, in the AFC West, and I, I feel you know comfortable with that so far as well. But two talented teams uh, just kind of in different situations at this point in time. Let's go to Sunday Night Football, man. You know, death, taxes, and Aaron Rodgers putting on a show uh, against uh, the Chicago Bears. Literally so death Guarantees to me. in life, and unfortunately for you and your Chicago Bears, that was the case once again. Looked great on the first drive of the game yeah. for the Bears. Uh, you know, methodically down the field, touchdown. But Green Bay ran the ball down their throats the rest of the way, and Aaron Rodgers with a couple touchdown strikes to put it away 27-10. to 10. Your thoughts on your one-and-one one Chicago Bears? Listen, again, I feel similar to you. We're one-and-one, one, and a lot of people predicted it would be a disastrous 0-2 start. So I don't want to – I don't want – my expectations – 
uh, are being met as of right now. I think the the thing that's frustrating is the Bears. They don't organizationally doesn't matter who's coaching. I don't think they understand playing at Lambeau Field. Like there were yeah. so many times they they you cannot run the ball out and get stopped and tackled on a kickoff at the fifteen yard line. The Packers effing hate your guts. We hate their guts. So when you're backed up at your own 15 and you're already down 10 to seven, they're going to be loud as bleeping hell. And it just, it, they, they offensively were inept. They were, they lost the field position battle and they, and they're not talented enough to lose the field position battle against a really good Packers defense. The reason why Aaron Rodgers has no weapons is a Packers draft defense. It's a good yeah. Packers defense. And and you cannot put yourself in a bad field position game in Green Bay. So I think they mismanaged that very poorly. They're missing their rookie wide receiver, Jones Jr. He is a he's a speed guy. He's a difference guy that I think just is going to help make their offense click a bit. They were too, being too protective of, of, of fields while also not running it enough. I don't know how, but that's just the facts. And I'll just say this. Mooney, five targets, two catches, four yards. Cole Komet, two targets, zero catches, zero yards. Mooney, we know, is good. Cole Komet has been a massive disappointment. He's another Ryan Pace that uh, player that uh, he's not a he's not an elite starting tight end. You, and, you don't think um, he could be a stud in this league? I, I see. I no, think I, he, at this I, point he, you would have seen you would have seen Kittle. I, doesn't I, I blame the coaching these... staff for that? I, he's like a preseason nah, I, darling. Like he. he like he seemed I, to have a connection with Justin Fields. Like, yeah, I, but I, but I, you know. but again, that's all because you have to scheme everything for him. I mean, there's never plays where it's like, dude, he just he just physically was better than everyone else on that. Well, you see from Darren Waller, you see that from Kittle, you see that from Kelsey. It's not always just scheming them to get wide open. Um, and listen, the Bears only threw the ball eleven times, so it's not fair maybe for me to judge Mooney and and Komet. But it, it, to me right now, those two guys need to be a bigger part of your game plan. And your game plan needs to include long drives. Part of the reason is you just can't sustain drives, but you can't sustain drives when you back yourself up. So I think overall, it, after that first drive, they just lost their sense of, uh, of, of way offensively, and they put themselves in bad field position. And you can't do that in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers, against this great defense and a Packers team that, you knew they would take this opportunity to get right. You knew they'd run it down your throats. Um, Roquan Smith did not play great. So a lot of things to be concerned about. But overall, it could have been way worse. There were times that Bears defense made one big stop to prevent the bleeding. They kept themselves alive enough, long enough. I mean, it wasn't one of those 44-7s that we've seen uh, against previous regimes. So I, I think overall, uh, it's crazy to say, but it could have been worse. And uh, one and one, I'll take it. There are some easy, there are some uh, games that you should see the offense be able to open up, again, up coming up soon. And I'm looking forward to that. The yeah. Bears played two great defenses to start the season. So I want to be too critical offensively, but I need to see Justin Fields actually having time to scan, to throw, to find guys, to push the ball downfield. And we haven't seen that through two games. Yeah, I, I think they need, there's no excuse. They need to find a way to get the ball in, in Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet's hands. I don't care what it is. I mean, do a tight end screen, do a wide receiver drag, something to get the ball in their in their hands. These are your playmakers. Yeah. These are the dudes that Cole Komet's that a good blocker mis- though, and they use him a lot. And yeah. they need they need that. And that's and that's again a fault that 
it's not Ryan Poles' fault that he, this is the card you're dealt with. And they, it, they showed that graphic of how much salary was tied up to guys that aren't there. It's killer, man. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, no, it's a, it's a brutal slate for them to work with there. I, I will say like real quick to tie a bow on this, the two glaring things for me in this one was their inability to adjust. I, I don't no. think they adjusted their game plan properly. They, they did the first one and then they just kept pounding it. The number of like second and 10 runs that they call and stretch runs at that, that went for one or two yards you're putting yourself in third and long way yeah. too often. All right. Now Deep that your own and, territory. And it worked for them in the fourth quarter on, on the one really good drive where second and long, they both got first down conversions from Herbert. But they were better Montgomery. run calls. They were, they, they, they were, were tosses, better. Run calls. Tosses, yeah. They got movement. It was better. It was better run calls. Yeah. But it looked like the I, Niners. I, needed... it, it looked like the Niners runs. You know what I mean? And Luke gets yeah. in that tree. Yes. And, and, and finally the, the tackling was bad. I mean, yeah. on defense, they, they way too many broken tackles by the running backs. That's the way Green Bay – look, they may be better off than they were last year because they're forcing themselves to actually find ways to win with two stud running backs. Yep. Like if, if they, if they, this is a formula that they can win most games with if they stick to this and just go over the top when they have the chance. So Green Bay, I, I think, looked uh, much better and, and in their element, a kind of a rebound game, if you will. The Bears, you know, they just kind of are who we thought they were. I, I do think that they're going to get better as the season goes along with Absolutely. that chemistry. But you got to get Justin Fields more passing reps. 11 attempts, just not not going to cut it for sure. So that's uh, that that does it really for our week two uh, recap. Got a couple Monday night games uh, yeah. coming up here as well. So be interesting to see uh, some premier matchups. The Bills taking on the Titans. Eagles, Vikings. I have the Bills over the Titans. I imagine you do as well. And I, I do, but I have the Titans. The Eagles winning this one. I have the Titans covering the 10. I People okay. are all like, yeah. because I, I just think Vrabel, this team, Monday night in Buffalo, I think I think um, the Titans could get ahead early and maybe even be leading at half, but Allen pulls away. And Titans get a late score, then to maybe help cover the ten. I think it's a closer game. It's not a. I don't think it's a blowout. And then I, I do like the Eagles. I, I'm, I'm hoping for the Eagles again. For me in my situation, it would be great if you could have one and one, one and one, one and one, one and one. So getting an Eagles win and yeah. getting the Vikings to one and one would be lovely. I think the Vikings are a good team. You know that. I've got them twelve and five on the year, but I think this is one of their five losses here on the road in a hostile environment against Philly. So we'll see how this pans out, but uh, should be interesting for sure. We got the Steelers and the Browns coming up on Thursday night uh, to kick off week three before another full slate on Sunday. So we'll stay tuned for that and take care of those Microsoft surfaces. Everybody. Yes.